I'm coming into land at one of the biggest live fire training areas in the world. breaking new ground. But I want to know what it means for the nearby town of Timber Creek. Are locals jumping on board? I'm Christy O'Brien and I'm about to find out. The Bradshaw Field Training Area covers a massive 9,000 square kilometres. That's about three times the size of the Australian Capital Territory. These vast tracts of open space are normally used to conduct large-scale military exercises. Bradshaw is important to defence and it offers a vast range of options for land, air and maritime training. When Army, Navy and Air Force train independently, when they train together and when we train with our international military partners. But the officer in charge here, Lieutenant Colonel Adam Boyd, tells me the manoeuvres being conducted today are about strengthening a different kind of friendship. What you have just heard is an unashamed, highly curated program by the ABC called Backroads, promoting joint military exercises with the United States and trying to convince Australians that this is not an attack on the sovereignty of First Nations people in that area called Bradshaw, where training exercises are being carried out. In this podcast, we discuss neutrality and the peace movement. Andrew and Bevan have put together an argument that the peace movement in Australia should be considering adopting a neutral position. Alliances that we currently have should be reviewed. I respectfully disagree with the two protagonists in this podcast. While I accept their opposition to AUKUS, Security Pact, and the Australia-United States Force Posture Agreement, and all of the alliances that have been built up with the United States for, general, for several generations. But let's have a listen to the argument by Andrew and Bevan. Greetings, listeners. My name's Andrew, and with me is Bevan Ramsden. In this podcast from IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, we examine neutrality as an alternative Australian defence policy in the light of recent polling which shows that a clear majority of Australians are in favour of us remaining neutral in the event of war between the United States and China. Current Australian defence policy involves close integration with the United States military in all areas, making an independent foreign policy impossible and ensuring Australia's automatic involvement in United States instigated wars, such as a war with China, our major trading partner. 
a policy of neutrality would free Australia from involvement in such disastrous military adventures and enable the pursuit of peaceful and mutually beneficial relations with all countries. Recent polls have shown that neutrality has considerable support in the Australian community. The various organisations comprising the Australian peace movement have long campaigned against the slavish adherence to US foreign policy by successive Australian governments and their close and comprehensive integration of the Australian military with that of the US. This integration and interdependence is now so close that Australian foreign and defence policy is arguably made in Washington, not Canberra. This close alignment is underpinned by the US-Australia alliance, the Force Posture Agreement and the AUKUS Security Pact. The US-Australia Force Posture Agreement, which we will refer to as the FPA, was signed in 2014 by the Australian and US governments. It allows a US military presence on Australian territory, including unimpeded access to our seaports, airports and military bases. Specifically, RAAF Tyndall in the Northern Territory is being upgraded at a cost to the Australian taxpayer of $1 billion to allow the basing there of up to six US nuclear weapons-capable long-range B-52 bombers. Fuel for these bombers and other US aircraft will be supplied from a large US-controlled storage depot at East Arm in Darwin. The FPA enables up to 2,500 US Marines to be stationed in the Northern Territory each year to train with the ADF for war, most likely with China over Taiwan. These joint training exercises, known as Talisman Sabre and Pitch Black, are also enabled by the FPA. Also part of the FPA is a US military command centre in Darwin and a logistics centre for munitions and spare parts at Bandiana in Victoria. The FPA represents a significant sellout of our national sovereignty to the United States and enables the, the US to conduct offensive military operations from our territory. Most alarmingly, this agreement was entered into secretly behind the backs of the Australian people and with no public or parliamentary debate. The AUKUS Security Pact between the US, the UK and Australia was announced on the 15th of September 2021 by the Morrison government. It was also entered into secretly and without any public or parliamentary debate or approval and has been wholeheartedly embraced by the Albanese ALP government. The first stage of AUKUS involves Australia purchasing three nuclear-powered attack submarines 
from the US and commencing a program in conjunction with the UK for manufacture of nuclear-powered attack submarines at the Osborne Shipyard in South Australia. The estimated cost of this venture is an eye-watering $368 billion, which past experience suggests may well blow out massively, especially given the fact that Australia has no experience in building nuclear-powered submarines. These long-range attack submarines are too large for use in Australia's coastal waters. Being designed for hunter-killer operations in deep waters far distant from Australia, such as the South China Sea. They are thus clearly intended for use in a war between the US and China and are arguably an extension of the US Navy paid for by the Australian taxpayers. From 2027 onwards, these submarines will be ported on our west coast at HMAS Stirling, which will be upgraded to accommodate them at a cost of $8 billion, paid for by you-know-who. The government is also considering a submarine base on our east coast, possibly Port Kembla, at a cost, projected cost of $2 billion. Such huge public expenditures on what are clearly preparations for US-led wars is at the expense of urgently needed action on social projects such as affordable public housing, health, childcare and other measures to reduce the financial stress that so many in our community are experiencing. Australian involvement in a US war on China will be disastrous for the people of Australia, our region and the world. Trade with China would cease, shipping and trade generally would be disrupted and we would be impacted by shortages of everyday items, severe job losses and the general wrecking of the economy. In the event of a full-scale war, US installations such as Pine Gap, the Northwest Cape Submarine Communications Base and the B-52 Bomber Base at RAAF Tyndall could be subject to retaliatory missile strikes, even if Australian forces were not directly involved. And the ultimate horror of nuclear war would be an ever-present possibility. Little wonder that Australian peace organisations are campaigning against AUKUS, the acquisition of nuclear-powered attack submarines, the FPA and US military bases on our soil, with the aim of keeping Australia out of such a war. It is therefore somewhat surprising that the Australian peace movement has not seized upon the popular support for neutrality to build a more active anti-war movement with the broadest possible mass base. 
In 2022 and 2023, the Lowy Institute conducted polls concerning the Australian people's attitude to a war against China. The question was, in the event of a war between the United States and China, should Australia support China, support the United States or remain neutral? In 2023, the answer was 57% of Australians overall in favour of neutrality, with 67% of young people and 73% of women in favour of neutrality. These figures were an increase on those of 2022. A second independent poll done by Essential Research late in 2023 with a similar question showed 67% of Australians in favour of neutrality. These figures show the potential for deepening community understanding and actively involving a much larger number of Australians in the campaign to keep Australia out of another US war, in particular one against China over Taiwan. Such mass mobilisation would seem to be the only way to challenge the Australian leadership of both major parties to rethink and turn away from their current preparation for war and take a neutral stance if such a war breaks out in the best interests of the Australian people and those of our region. A policy of neutrality is not dishonourable or cowardly. On the contrary, It is a courageous and honourable position and one that is recognised by the United Nations. It is understood that a neutral country will defend its neutrality and independence if attacked, but will not support belligerents engaged in wars elsewhere. A neutral country will not allow foreign military bases or foreign military activities on its soil. Switzerland is perhaps the best-known example of a neutral country and one that spends far less of its GDP on defence than does Australia. Dr Albert Palazzo is an adjunct professor at the University of New South Wales. Formerly, he was the Director of War Studies in the Australian Army Research Centre, a part of the Australian Army Headquarters. In a paper published in 2018, he argues that the era of Australian dependency on a great power partner as a security policy is coming to an end, and that of armed neutrality is beckoning. Regarding the adoption by Australia of armed neutrality as its defence policy, Dr Palazzo says, There is no doubt that in order to adopt armed neutrality, the ADF will have to undergo a major transformation. Platforms that are designed to operate within a US naval or air task group, for example, may no longer be practical or even suitable for armed neutrality. The Army's perception of itself as an infantry-centric force may need to undergo a radical revision too, with the status of the gunner moving to the fore 
as coastal defence again becomes the land force's primary role. Australia will also need to review its preference for a just-in-time supply chain and greatly increase the scale of holdings in defence warehouses. Dr Palazzo further states that while these adjustments may seem daunting, even radical, there are advantages to adopting armed neutrality. In addition to becoming a nation that is finally responsible for its own sovereignty and ending questions surrounding the future reliability of the United States. It will, he says, allow Australia to make decisions for itself. If Australia is interested in remaining a sovereign state, a form of armed neutrality provides a way forward. In 1984, the late David Martin wrote a scholarly and comprehensive work entitled Armed Neutrality for Australia. He collaborated in the writing of this book with a range of defence, academic, diplomatic and military experts, both from Australia and overseas. I quote from his introduction. This book aims to show that the best policy for Australia is armed neutrality. It accords with our needs and our geographical position. Shaped to our means, it would be viable both morally and in practice. It would let us establish stable and mutually beneficial relations with other countries, especially our neighbours. In the words of Thomas Jefferson during his first inaugural address... Peace, commerce and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none. If we can let go the inherited belief that to be safe we need powerful protectors, we shall discover that we are quite able to look after ourselves. Neutrality does not have to be a universal policy, and it can be applied to a particular situation. The current policy of the Australian Government, far from guaranteeing our security, places us increasingly in dire peril. We urgently need to break free of the dangerous, suffocating and cripplingly expensive US military alliance and embrace neutrality in regard to a US war with China. Now that is that should be whether or not it, it, it remains a universal position by Australia in relation to all wars. It can be a, a position of neutrality in relation to a particular war, such as that that might break out between the US and China. And that brings us to the end of this IPAN podcast, although we'll be having much more to say on this issue in future. You can follow IPAN on Facebook and Twitter, and of course our website is www ipan.org.au That's all we have time for today. I agree with their criticism, but it's more important to adopt a policy of opposition to the United States on foreign policy in our region and in other regions of the world. One of the reasons why I say this is that the United States has got itself involved in complicity with Israeli genocide in Gaza. And I think this is ultra vires, the ruling of the International Court of Justice on genocide in that region. I think it is a departure from the sentiments 
of the international community and it should be actively opposed. Also, for many years, the United States has imposed an embargo on Cuba. That is totally wrong. To impose sanctions on a poor country and its people is wrong. I don't see any reason why the United States should cripple a country like Cuba. And it just beggars belief that the United States would suspend the main humanitarian aid to the Palestinian people, that is, the United Nations Works and Relief Agency, UNRWA, that it should suspend its payments to UNRWA whilst Palestinians in Gaza are facing starvation. There's another thing here we should oppose, and that is any United States aggression in the South China Sea. It is against Australia's interest because our major trading partners, China, Taiwan, are, uh, are active in that area. And if the United States starts a war there, Australia will suffer. So for that reason, I oppose the argument for neutrality. We should actively oppose US foreign policy. So let's go out with Franz Dowling's drone lament, Demons of Hell. The U.S. has been conducting drone strikes in Yemen for the last 16 years. The so-called signature strikes have aimed to suppress members of Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. But the campaign has killed scores of civilians targeting houses, schools, hospitals, markets, and even wedding procedures. They would kill two or three from Al-Qaeda on one hand, and 10 or 15 civilians on the other hand. Where's this Al-Qaeda they claim to be killing? There are many other incidents like ours due to drones. There are no better friends than the United States and Australia. Are you confident that Australian officials involved in intelligence transfers to the US through facilities like Pine Gap are immune from future accusations or allegations of persisting war crimes? I'm very confident without admitting any of the assertions or premises of your question. ASIO and its officers operate in accordance with Australian law. Mothers and fathers want to know why their children were killed. I lay there gasping my last breath. Close by me lie the bodies of those I love. This man before me must be death. In green and brown he followed the beast above. Amidst the screams of agony Somehow the worst pain I feel burns in my heart The tears bring flooding memories Our lives of simple joy now shattered apart And I thought, why do they come here? The oh demons of hell Deaths of an angels, I fear they were summoned by an evil spell. What have we done to deserve a horror such as this? As I beg Allah for the answer, I'm greeted by death's kiss.
Sat there staring at the screen Her last task of the day was plaguing her thoughts A secret face in Alice Springs So far away her job still made her distraught And she thought upon who will we really stare Those demons of hell Suspected terrorists, their guilt is clear But God, can we truly tell? This power we possess Deep down inside I condemn But I have family back home in the US So I'll say I'm protecting them Tread slowly through the bodies Stop short upon the side of a dying child The pain inside him came with tears Still no innocence read the report he filed But he thought Why do we send them here? Those demons of hell True heroes are what they cheer And I used to believe it as well But no amount of lies they say Can take my guilt and shame And no God to whom I pray Would justify this pain No God whom I pray would justify this pain